today, we are just going to dive right in. If you don't know, I am Callie. Me and my husband are the pastors here at Ponca City Church. Um, so today we are going to be talking about a message that we have titled, No More Milk. Um, yeah, thanks, Donnie. Donnie already heard it this morning at first service. But um, we're going to be talking about how we as Christians sometimes love the bottle, but God is calling us to no more milk at times. Um, we're going to jump right in. We're going to be reading in Hebrews chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If not, it's going to be up there on the screen, and so it's fine if you don't. Um, here we have a passage that's being written to Christians, warning them to not fall away from the Lord to not go backwards in their faith, to not go sideways in their faith, to keep pursuing God, to not fall away from who he is for who they know him to be. And it says this, in Hebrews 5, we're going to be starting in chapter 11, it says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I'm going to read this again, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Sometimes I just like to hear different translations and how it's put. And just so we fully grasp the scripture. We're going to read it again. In Hebrews 5, it says this, and starting in verse 11, there is much more we would like to say about this. Maybe just listen to this instead of reading it. Just listen. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again and again the basics about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Man, can you imagine receiving this letter <laughs> of someone being like, you still drink from the bottle and you're 80 years old, right? You still want milk. You still don't know how to learn from yourself. Like, can you imagine as a believer receiving this letter, this truth? Being encouraged to mature, to grow up. You've been Christians long enough. You should be teaching people. Instead, you have to be reminded over and over again of elementary truths. You still are needing to be fed instead of feeding yourselves. You're still needing to be served instead of serving others. You're still needing the basics when you should be serving the basics to others. Needing to be reminded over and over of a surface level faith when there's deeper things God has for you. But doesn't this sound familiar? I love how applicable the Bible is today. Right? A different culture, a different people, a different time. But still today, we are people who love the bottle. Look, you can be 80 years old physically and be five years old spiritually. I remember in like junior high, high school as my faith was growing, especially in high school when I got really serious about my faith and a little bit is probably pride because how many of you know the more you know about God, the more you know you don't know about God, right? The wiser you become, you learn how unwise you are. Like we used to live in Burbank where um, 
everyone is trying to become somebody. Most people have moved there to pursue a career in Hollywood or to become someone. And we would always joke at youth group because people would always come because somebody called them about a modeling career or something. Sometimes it was real, sometimes it wasn't. But you know how you could tell who was legit or not? If they came up to you at youth group and handed you a CD and was like, hey, here's my demo. We were automatically like, yeah, not the real deal. Okay, not the real deal. This kid's going to move back to Idaho or something soon, right? But the people who knew humbly came in, who knew what it would take, who knew the cost of what they were doing, man, those people you could see were the real deal. So sometimes as Christians, I think when I was younger, maybe sometimes it was a little arrogant. I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I still remember a season of life realizing that a lot of these 80-year-olds who I've looked up to in my faith actually are still behaving like infants. When you begin to mature, you start to realize, oh my gosh, am I starting to surpass people who I once admired? Look, I want the people under me to surpass me, right? I want the people that we disciple as pastors to be better pastors, to do better than we did, to grow and succeed more than me and TD ever had. But you know what I don't want? Them to ever be like, man, spiritually, I have way surpassed her. I want to be a person that when I'm 90 years old, I'm 90 spiritually. When I'm 80 years old, that I'm 80 spiritually, that I have continued to grow and mature in my faith. I think sometimes we like to believe that the older you get, the wiser you get, which yes, is true. You do get wiser. Let me tell you, the older you get, you do not necessarily get wiser in what the word actually says. Unless you are maturing in your faith and reading the word until as you get older. That's why I love it. In 1 Timothy, what does it say? Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Set an example. He's saying, man, even though you're 12 and 13, man, you can be an example to believers. Your faith can be mature. Your faith can set an example, right? Man, the people that I admire the most that are older than me, when they walk in a room and you know that they have been with God, right? Not the best public communicators, not the people who look fancy or look shiny or look like they're mature, but the people that when they walk in a room, you know that, man, that person is spiritually as mature as their age. They've grown with God. They've been with God. They know God. Age does not always equate spiritual maturity. You can know about God for ages, but still be an infant. You can be a Christian forever. The scripture's clear. And still be a baby, needing to be fed from the bottle. Look, we have to continue to grow and mature. We all know this. We can't continue to always be fed from the bottle. We have to progress, feed ourselves, and then in turn help feed others. We have to grow and mature and realize how small we are. Realize in the face of God, man, we are but a small child, right? When you, if you've ever had a baby, man, you realize how, in, like, how small we are compared to God. How desperate we are for the Lord. I remember Lucas screaming in the middle of the night when he was newborn and being like, if I don't feed this kid, if I don't provide for this kid, if I don't look after this kid, he will die. He's totally and utterly dependent on me. And you start realizing, man, we are so dependent on the Lord. 
But as we mature and as we grow, it doesn't mean we stop being more dependent. If anything, it means we realize how dependent we really are. But it doesn't mean that we continue to drink from the bottle. We can realize how small we are without continuing to drink from the bottle. Man, when we took the pacifier away from my son, we thought that was going to be like the end of the world, right? You know, like the fear of every parent who's used a pacifier, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen when I take him in public and I can't just, you know, plug him? Like, what do you do, right? That was no big deal. But when we took the bottle from him, it was like all hell broke loose in our house, right? Because the bottle, we, one, we let him drink from it way too long because we were moving and we were just like, okay, this is going to be his thing. It's fine. Like, he's went through transition, right? No, bad mistake. When we took it away, it was horrible because he had learned to soothe himself with his bottle. With the milk that I had provided for him, had made for him, had given to him, and he just had to drink and soothe himself. And then when it came time for him to grow up and actually start self-soothing himself, Realizing that I can't depend on the bottle that my mom made me. I have to actually get myself to sleep. <laughs> it was a difficult transition. And many times in our faith when we get to a point where it's no longer the pastor that's feeding us. Well, this Sunday I didn't feel as fed from the bottle. So what do I do, right? Or our faith begins to grow and we start realizing, oh my gosh, it's time for me to start figuring out this on my own. Man, I just hit a circumstance and nobody else is around to feed me. Do I have what it takes to get me where I need to get? Do I have what it takes to put myself to sleep, right? Do I have what it takes to have peace and have rest without the bottle that someone else has prepared for me? But many times as Christians, we just go for the bottle. We call a pastor or a friend, look, community is good, but we must know how to mature in our faith by ourselves, with God and ourselves. Look, it's not enough to just know the miracles of God. You have to know the God of miracles. Let me say that again. You can know all the miracles of God, right? You can have read it, know the miracles of God, know what he's done. But unless you actually know that God who performs miracles, unless you've actually spent time with the God of miracles, when a situation happens in your life, are you going to be mature and ready? Are you going to know who to fall back on, how to help yourself, how to get what you need from the Lord? But many of us, we self-soothe. Look, I do it too with the same old things, right? TV. I love binge-watching TV, I'm not going to lie. Me and TV have about 10 episodes right now of things, like 10 different shows. We love it, right? But if I'm not careful, it's a self-soother. Or we fall back on the same thing, food or alcohol or whatever it may be. We fall back on the same old thing. And here we are again on a Sunday morning needing to be taught again the basic principles of Jesus. Instead of ever maturing in our faith, we stay in the same place, we stay comfortable, run to things we know, drinking milk because we know the taste, we like the taste, it's comfortable. We don't want to challenge ourselves. It's working for us. I don't have to question all these things that are happening, right? Because my faith is shallow, so I'll just go with the one word answer, 
that someone taught me in Sunday school and move forward, right? <laughs> it's a lot more difficult when refugees are being killed, when people were dealing with a crisis of orphaned children in America, when you actually have to begin to deal with life and actually have to think about it and come to a grasp that there's issues in our world and you can't use a Sunday school principle anymore. You have to really start diving into a mature faith where you can find answers and solutions to a problem that is big. We can't depend on the bottle that our Sunday school teacher gave us or find a cute Pinterest scripture <laughs> that was pulled absolutely out of context <laughs> and use it to soothe ourselves or open a Bible and point to a random scripture that says something to a totally different culture in a totally different context in a totally different setting and somehow use it to help our situation. We have to know who God is, why he does what he does, why he says what he says. We have to continue to grow, to feed ourselves with a milk and a food that we can prepare on our own. We have to continue to grow. In Philippians 2.12, it says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The New Living Translation says it like this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. He's saying, man, you always did what I told you to do, but now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. He's saying, now that I'm not here, now that you can't be bottle fed, man, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work hard to show the results. Mature. Grow in your faith. See the results from the training, from the working out, from the developing. Work hard. Work out your salvation. We can't, as Christians, just get stuck in that heaven pass mode, right? Well, we got to pass to heaven, so I'm good to go. Man, God wants, he has more for us in this life than to just wait for eternity. He's got more for us, but it requires obeying, listening, growing. We can't be consumers forever. Look, as infants, they take, 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 right? If you've been a mom, if your wife has been a mom, if you've had an infant in your household, you know that they are consumers. They constantly need you. <laughs> And you can't get away from it, right? Look, I am so social that I mean, I, it's hard for me to be alone. I struggle with being alone. When I became a mom, I cried so many times when I would have to go to another room to breastfeed my child because once again, this kid has taken me to a solitary place away from everyone. Once again, this kid needs me. They take and they take, but what do you know? As soon they begin to mature. But many of us get stuck in the infancy phase, and we never start to mature and start doing our own chores, right? Luca is going to grow up, and he's going to start doing more chores. This week, the task was dress yourself, <laughs> which existed with a lot of screaming for some reason. But he's maturing. It's time to start dressing yourself. I'm not going to dress you forever. Dress yourself. Someday he'll be taking out the trash. 
Someday he'll be actually mowing the lawn. He'll be doing chores. But too many of us as Christians, we get stuck with just bottle feeding forever. Well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to get my bottle and then I'm going to feel awesome throughout the week. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to let the pastor's faith soothe me. And then I'm going to go back to work and come back the next week and drink from the bottle again. And I'm going to keep doing this over and over and over again. But what happens when the pastor moves away? You have a death in the family. A circumstance happens. And it's you, and it's God, and it's the situation. We have to mature in our faith. Start doing chores. Start dressing ourselves. Start understanding the needs of the household. What God wants for us. What God's asking for us. We can't hit the coast button. Man, I'd like to when I've hit the coast button many times in my life. Of like, okay, I think this is a good place in my faith. I'm just going to chill for a while, right? Just going to hit that button and we're just going to coast. But how many of you know, right, in driver's ed, you know when you take a class, if you look to the left for a second, your car starts veering towards the left. <laughs> like when we hit the coast button in our faith, we don't stop moving. And a lot of us like to just depend on the reality of like, well, I said the sinner's prayer. Look. When you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you are saved, right? We know this. But let me tell you this. You are always constantly moving towards God or away from God. If you're 80, 90, 100 in the room, if you're 10, 11, 12 in the room, you are moving towards God or you are moving away from God. Hitting the coast button doesn't work. <laughs> because we are constantly developing and maturing and growing. Sermons are being preached to us 24-7. We know this. You're not just hearing a sermon on Sunday mornings. You hear a sermon every single day when you turn on your TV. You hear a sermon every time you sit at the dinner table with your family and people begin to talk. You hear a sermon every time you step out into culture. Because how many of you know culture is preaching a sermon to you? We are constantly bombarded with sermons that change our heart, that change our mind, that change our thinking, that are developing us, that are maturing us, that are growing us one way or the other. Luke is at this stage right now where he is just like maturing and growing like crazy. He'll wake up one day and me and Steve will be like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> like you're so much taller. I put you to bed like a baby and you woke up and you're like a boy. Like what happened? You grew. What did you eat before you went to bed? It's crazy. But we notice it in one minute, but what's crazy is he's been growing and developing the entire time. And we never noticed. We never noticed what was happening internally. We didn't know he was learning to talk until he started talking. But he was learning the whole time. And what happens with a lot of us is we wake up one moment and we realize, man, how did I get here? How did I develop into this? Where did these results come from, right? And we can wake up closer to God or we can wake up further to God if we're not careful. We can wake up one day and be like, man, where did all of this weight and shame and baggage come from? Wait, where did this hatred I now have for people and for this world come from? Man, where did this disdain for my family come from? Man, why is my marriage so full of, unlike, not love and cruelty and pain? Man, how, where did this happen, right? Because we've been developing day after day after day. Or we can wake up one day and see results and be like, man, 
I used to be full of hate, and now love is coming out of me. What? I used to be so full of unforgiveness, and now I give forgiveness freely. Man, I used to be full of shame, and now I know that God is not a God of shame. Man, I can live bold and confident with authority. We are always growing one way or another. We cannot get lazy. Look, we are called to rest in the Lord. We aren't called to be busybodies who try to control and earn our own faith, right? It's a free gift from God. But we must always be evaluating the condition of our heart. Where are we with the Lord? Are we still drinking milk? Are we growing? Are we maturing? Are we circling around to the same things? And if we are circling around to the same struggles, when I circle back around to it, am I more mature this time? Do I have a better grasp this time? Am I able to handle it? Do I know my faith? Do I know what the word says more this time? Man, if some of you don't know, but a few years ago probably now, I started having panic attacks. Very difficult. Out of nowhere, I've never struggled with that ever in my life. But let me tell you this. Through that season, I know that next time this comes around or next time I deal with anxiety, man, I am more prepared for it. Because I've been in battle. I grew. I sought the Lord. And I am ready for the next time. I won't be the same. Because we are constantly maturing. And these are some things that I just, we're going to go through three questions to ask ourselves. To evaluate. Where are we? Am I maturing in my faith? And how do we mature in our faith? And look, this is not some like thing I learned at Bible college or some three-step program or something. This is literally just what I felt like the Lord has spoken to me personally for my life. So we're going to just challenge ourselves, ask a few questions that I believe if we continue to ask ourselves these questions, we will continue to be able to evaluate and get back on track of maturing with the Lord. Because how many of you know, pastors, we aren't immune to becoming disillusioned with church. Believe me, most pastors I know are disillusioned with church. We aren't immune to doubting God. We aren't immune to sin. We aren't immune to falling short. We're not immune to questioning our faith. We aren't immune to not trusting God. We aren't immune to these things. We have to keep our lives in check too, and I've been doing this a lot lately. And we were on our way to Foursquare Convention, which is a time for our, our denomination when all the pastors come together nationally from all the countries where we have churches. We come together and we worship, and I always love this time. Like, TD likes Foursquare Convention because he likes to learn. Like, he's the guy that's in every session. He's learning everything. He's, like, taking notes. He comes out and wants to talk to our team about all of the leadership strategies we're going to put in place, how we're going to do it, how we're going to implement it. He's so smart. He loves it. I like convention, which he, he argues with me because he thinks this is not as important, but it's just as important. I like it because I get to see my friends, right? Yes, it's like reunion. Like I get to hang out with this person on our way to convention. I already had like every night full of dinner meetings with people. Like we're going to dinner with these friends, and we're going to dinner with these friends, and these friends. This is what we're doing. This is who we're hanging out with. And he's like, oh, my gosh. So I started just skipping some sessions, which I hope that's okay with you, and hanging out with people. But I need that, right? I need relationships in my life. I need community. I need to be built up and encouraged by people. So here we are on our way to convention. And just for a backdrop, last convention, we were all puking. All of us puking. Didn't get to enjoy it. We were puking. And then here we are on our way to convention. And literally the Sunday we are flying out, Luca gets a fever. 
I take him to urgent care. They find nothing. We get on a plane. His fever is now 104 on the plane, and he puked everywhere. I mean, everywhere, all over me, all over the seat. The people next to us were, like, giving us Kleenexes. Like, I was scared because his fever is so high. We get off the plane, and I'm walking through the airport, and I was really discouraged, disillusioned, really started being like, man, here we go again. I'm not going to get to refill my soul. I'm going to go back to Ponca exhausted. I'm not going to get to enjoy my friends. I'm not going to get to see people. I'm not going to get to have any fun because here I am again with a sick child. I'm sure it's going to circle through our family again. We're all going to be puking alone in the hotel room. Here we go again. It's just another trial God has for us. Like, woohoo, life, right? And I'm walking through the airport, and God says, Callie, you're living like you're just betting on me, not like you believe me. And I just kept walking. She didn't even know what was happening. I'm like, but I started realizing I was believing like I was living, and I was really just betting on God. Like, I bet he's real, right? We've been there. I bet he's real. And I'd rather be on this side of it than that side of it, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I'd rather bet he's real than, like, be disappointed when I get to my end of my life, right? I'd rather bet he's real. Well, it's always been the faith of my family, so I'm just going to bet this direction because that's all I've grown up with. So I don't really know where else to bet, so I'm just going to throw my bets here with God. I'm just going to bet this thing's real. I'm going to bet that it, you know, I, I don't really know where else to cast my bets, so I'll cast them with God. And I was there. Look, I believe in God, right? But I was living as if I was just betting on him instead of really believing that he heals, really believing him, <laughs> believing in him, believing that he's good, believing that he doesn't have a horrible weekend for me, <laughs> believing that I can't overcome this because God is in me. I was living and, living and betting on God, not believing. So I want us to ask ourselves this morning, are you betting? Are you just casting your bets that this Jesus thing is real? Does your life reflect someone who's just betting? Because we'd rather be, you know, a Christian because I'm going to die, so I need, I need to have a bet somewhere. This is the route I'm on, so I'm sticking to it. But if you were to zoom out today and just look at your life, like zoom out and just look at you from an outside perspective, does your life reflect someone who really believes in God? Or does your life reflect someone who's betting on it? Because it's hard to move your feet when you're only betting. It was hard for me to pray for Luca because I was literally only betting on God. <laughs> well, I'll pray, God, but, you know, 50-50. <laughs> like, we'll bet that, you know, maybe you'll heal him. I'd rather bet there than bet you won't, so I'll bet you will. <laughs> right? It's hard to pray. It's hard to dream big when you're only betting on God. It's hard to ask for big things from a God that you're only betting on. But when you believe in God, when you believe him, man, it changes everything. When you believe God, you are bold. When you believe him, everything is different. Everything. When you are not just betting that th this is real, when you believe it, when you're not just betting that God heals, but you believe he will. When you're not just betting that he's good. 
but you believe he is good and you believe he will be good to you. When you're not just betting that God forgives, but you believe that he forgives and he has forgiven you. When you believe that God forgives anyone who accepts him. Man, are we betting today or do we really believe? Are we believing God today? Are you living like you believe him? And if you're being honest with yourself and say, man, I'm just kind of betting on him. Maybe you're a believer, but you really are. Your life reflects. Mine did the other day in the airport. It reflected someone who was just betting on God. But we, it's okay. We can move forward in maturity of feeding ourselves to a point of believing in him. Right? I can believe in God, but how many of sometimes I bet that he'll heal instead of believe that he'll heal? Because life is hard. Sometimes I'll bet that he's good, but I don't really believe that he'll be good to me. But you know how I convince myself that he's good? I dive into him. I begin to feed myself and immerse myself with his word. I begin to get to know him, to understand him, to mature in my faith. And begin to start believing that he is true. What he says he is, is true. His promises are true. Look, the Strong's definition, the Greek word in scripture, pestuo, for believe. It means this, to have faith in, trust in, to entrust with, to be persuaded by the Lord. Man, if you want to believe, you know how you believe, you become persuaded by the Lord. You let the Lord persuade you. Man, you are not going to move from betting to believing because I preach a really good sermon. You're going to forget 90% of what's said today, if not 100%, right? You're going to become persuaded and you're going to begin believing because you have allowed the Lord himself to persuade you. To persuade you, to convince you. Relationship with him causes our betting to turn to belief. We can't just bet on the pastor and his faith or our grandparents' faith or the faith of someone else. We have to get in relationship with God. Nothing will make us believe like a personal relationship with Jesus. Nothing will make you believe that he's good unless you've experienced his goodness. Nothing can make you believe that he heals until you experience his healing. We've got to get in tune with the Lord. We can't just take the pastor's word for it. Try to live off what the pastor knows and believes and teaches. Betting on our pastor's faith. We must believe this for ourselves. This goes for me too. I can't just bet on my mentor's faith, my professor in Bible college's faith. I got to know him. We've got to know the God of miracles so that we can believe in miracles. We must know him to, enough to trust him, to allow his word to persuade us. We must be positioned in a place where he can persuade us, where we're letting him persuade us in seasons of tiredness and doubt when we're disillusioned by the church. Many times we want to do the opposite. We want to run from what we're disillusioned by. 
We want to run because I don't want to pray for miracles because I've seen too many not happen, so I'm going to run the other way. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you're doubting, God will actually, he can actually heal cancer. If you're doubting and you're just betting that God actually heals, you know what you should start doing? Praying for everybody. <laughs> And when God moves and God works and you see someone healed, you know what? You're going to be a believer. You're going to walk boldly. But a lot of times we want to just keep drinking the bottle. We don't want to mature and actually dive into these areas that are hard and are difficult. But I love it because scripture says, taste and see that he is good. To mature in our faith, we've got to taste God and see, oh, he does heal. Oh, he is good. Oh, he is kind. Oh, he isn't full of condemnation. He's good. 1 Peter 2 says this. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk. And I know you're like, hey, I thought this sermon was no more milk. And now the scripture's telling us to crave milk. But if you look at this word in scripture, this is what it's meaning. Milk of the word. Proper food for the soul. For this stage of development, this stage that you are at. How many of you know I would not discipline Luca the way I would discipline a seven-year-old? Right? I'm going to discipline Luca because he's three. So I'm going to discipline him in a way that's correct for a three-year-old. I'm not going to expect him to be a 15-year-old when he's a three-year-old. He's saying, the scripture is saying, hey, for where you're at, crave the proper food that will develop you. A milk that is the word that is sincere. A suitable food. A word that causes growth. His word. That is what this is meaning when it says milk. And then it goes on to say, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Man, crave a food that's going to make you grow and mature so that you actually experience the fullness of salvation. Many of us are saved, but we never experience the fullness of our salvation this side of heaven. And it goes on to say, cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have what? Tasted of the Lord's kindness. Man, because you have tasted and seen that he is good, man, keep craving food. Man, now that you've tasted and seen that he is kind, man, keep going. Now that you've tasted and seen that he can heal, keep going with that. Run with that. Crave maturity in that. But I love it because it's now that you've tasted and seen. But a lot of us start at the bedding phase and we're like, man, I'm, I believe God, but I don't really know how to act in this. We don't ever dive deeper till we really believe. Till we really believe he heals. We believe he exists. We believe he died and rose again. But we don't ever look in the inner parts of our soul and say, man, I don't feel forgiven. Do I really believe he's forgiven me? And instead we run from it when we need to run towards it and start Tasting and seeing that God is good, that he forgives, that he's true, and really believing in him. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. 
you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? I love it because what's happening here is people are debating who's their pastor. Well, if Paul our pastor, is Apollos our pastor? Is TD our pastor or is Blaine our pastor? Right? Who's our pastor? Who's our pastor? For me, is it this person who taught me or is it this person that taught me? Who's my pastor? And it goes on to say, what, after all, is Apollos? What is TD? <laughs> and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned it to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollo watered it, but God makes it grow. Man, God is the one who causes growth. Not me. <laughs> you should be thankful for that. <laughs> it's God that causes the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are the field God's building. Man, God wants to mature you. Man, God wants to mature me. But I've got to get connected, not with Apollos or with Paul, but with God. With the God that makes things grow. First, he's saying, man, you're still behaving like infants. I can't even give you food because you still need a bottle. You're still quarreling. I love this because he kind of gives us all, like, you can't get out of this. He doesn't say, like, you're all still, like, looking at porn or you're all still doing something crazy. You're all still, you know, on drugs. Like, no, he's saying you're all still quarreling. <laughs> How many of us quarrel, right? We all quarrel. <laughs> we all do these things. And he's saying, hey, you're still behaving, all of you, like infants. We got to mature. We've got to mature. And I love it because they weren't even debating something that's ungodly, right? They were trying to give respect to a pastor who has led them. They weren't even, like, fighting among, against, like, horrible things, right? They were fighting against something that to, to them was probably good. They were quarreling among who's their pastor. But I love it because God's like, hey, I'm your pastor. <laughs> hey, I'm the one that causes things to grow. Hey, I'm the one that you need to be in relationship with. Hey, I'm the one that you need. Look, I'm not saying that Sundays are not important or that pastors are not important because I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't believe they are, obviously, right? It is important. But I believe the more that you fall in love with God, the more that you will fall in love with his church. The more that you know the God who loves his people, the more you will want to be here on a Sunday and be encouraged by his people. The more that you know a God who came down to earth to serve you, the more you're going to want to serve others on a Sunday. The more you know a God who left everything to come for the one lost sheep, the more we will run for the one lost sheep. Man, the church is important. The body of Christ is the bride of Christ. So if anything, the more you fall in love with God, the more you're going to love Apollo and 
whoever, Paul, I don't even remember who I was talking about, right? The more you fall in love with God, the more you're going to love his body. So it's not like he was shaming them for this. He just wanted the priorities straight. That if you want to grow, it's not who leads, it's God. It's your relationship, your personal relationship with God. The more we're with him, the more we'll believe him. Right? I have a lot of, like, trust issues. You can ask TD. This is so personal. I was going to share this, but whatever. I have dreams, like, all the time that TD's cheating on me. I wake up so mad at him a lot of mornings. And I'm always like, what's this God? Like, is God trying to tell me that you're cheating on me? Like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's like this constant dream that I have, right? But I think it's because deep down I really do have a fear that I won't always be good enough, right? I think there's a fear of that. But you know what? The more I get to know TD, the more that fear diminishes. We've been married seven years, and it's still diminishing, right? We all have our things, and we come before the Lord with these things. They don't just go away when we get saved. We all know that because we're living in it. But when we go to God with these things, the more we know him, the more our fears are relieved the more we begin to believe him. Man, the more we spend time in his word, the more we'll believe it. The more we experience him, the more we'll believe him. The more we taste and see that he is good, the more we'll believe he's good. When I was preparing this message like a couple days ago, Luke is going through some sort of growth spurt or something. He literally, probably every two minutes, I was up making him a piece of toast or getting him a banana, or getting him a popsicle, or he was just like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and then he'd come back in, I'm still hungry, I'm still hungry, I'm still hungry, I'm still hungry, mom, I'm still hungry, right, the same phrase over and over, I'd like, get up, come back, get up, but as I'm typing this, I'm like, man, what would it be like if I acted like that with God, like if I was like, God, I'm still hungry, God, I, I need more, God, I'm still hungry, God, feed me more, I'd grow, right? <laughs> I'd grow. I'd have a growth spurt. The more we taste and see that he's good, the more we hunger and we feed ourselves with his word, the more we'll believe him. The more we'll wake up one day and say, man, I developed good. <laughs> I didn't even know it was coming. We've got to taste and see that he's good, but also we've got to transition from bedding to believing, and then from believing to receiving. There's a lot of us Christians who we really believe. I'm one of them many times. We really do believe. We believe that God's good. We believe that he's faithful. We believe that he's forgiven us. But we have a hard time really receiving that, really walking in that, really receiving it for ourselves. Man, my, I hate at Christmas and at any birthday or anything, I do not like receiving gifts. Like, if you guys have given me a gift, you've probably seen, like, uncomfortableness all over my face. Like, I just, like, I don't know. Like, I love getting gifts. I mean, I like that. I just do not like opening them in front of people. Like, when TD gives me a card, even in our house, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the other room and read the card. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to go open this present over here because I just feel fake. Like, I don't like someone looking at my face to see how I respond to the gift that they have just given me, right? I don't like TD being like, is she going to cry at the words I wrote? Like, you know, like, I don't like that. The ugh, I just have a very hard time being vulnerable, a very hard time receiving. 
And I come to God with that same Kelly <laughs> that has a very hard time receiving. I can believe it for each of you, and I do. But I have a hard time receiving sometimes. But we've got to merge, we've got to move from betting to believing to receiving it for ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it talks about for grace we have been saved through faith. This is not ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. It is a gift from God. We just get to receive. From the beginning of our faith walk with God, it is about being a recipient. It starts with being a recipient. It ends with being a recipient. Throughout the journey, it's about being a recipient. We have to be able to receive from the Lord. We can't just believe that God forgives. We can and never fully experience that meaning of forgiveness. Look, what does it say to work out your salvation so that you can fully experience salvation? Man, you can believe God forgives and never really walk in that forgiveness today. You can believe God is freedom but never walk in that freedom for yourself. You can believe God loves you, but never walk or behave like someone who is loved. You can believe God's ways are right and lead to life, but never obey him. You can live believing in God and never experience the full benefits of being a believer. Man, he's trustworthy. He's good. We can walk as recipients of all that he offers us. But we've got to receive it. We've got to allow our belief to transfer over to receiving. And it seems like common sense. It seems like obvious, but a lot of us build stone wall where God, I'll believe you. But that area, it's just always been an area. <laughs> I've always struggled feeling forgiven. I've always struggled walking in freedom. I've always struggled feeling loved, and I just keep going in relationship after relationship after relationship that is unhealthy, unhealthy, unhealthy. Instead of really saying, God, I'm going to get in your presence. I'm going to stop betting on you. I'm going to believe in you, and then I'm going to turn into a recipient of all that you have for me. I'm going to receive from you love and grace and freedom and mercy. Man, testuo, the word believe. To think, to be true, to be persuaded of, credit. And I love it. It says to place confidence in, to entrust with, to believe. To entrust God that he'll do what he says he's going to do for you. And not just trusting him with salvation. I believe many of us, if not all of us in the room today, believe that God has saved us, that we are going to heaven. But I'm talking about moving from betting God's ability to heal, but then pressing into him. Man, God, I've... I don't know if I really believe that you're going to heal my spouse or that you're going to heal this situation or you're going to heal my mindset or you're going to heal these places in me that are so wounded. I'm talking about pressing into him in those areas. And the more we seek after him, then it begins to say, man, I've tasted. I've seen that he's good. Man, I trust him because I spend time with him. He's never failed me yet. And if he's never failed me yet, then when he says he's going to heal... I believe he's going to heal, right? And then I believe the scripture because I've tasted and I've seen the scripture. I've seen the word transform my heart and my mind, my thinking. Man, I'm not just betting on his word. 
I now believe his word because I've seen it in my life. I believe his word to be true. So when I read how the disciples healed, I believe because I believe this word because I've seen it, I've tasted it. Now I believe that I can pray for people and them to be healed. And then we move to I believe he heals to I am receiving this healing for myself. Now that I believe it, I really believe it, I can receive it for myself. Man, he can heal my mind, my heart, my apathy, my shame, my bitterness, my body. I believe that so I can believe that for myself and I can receive that. If we do this in every area of our life, if we're honest, am I betting or am I believing? And if we say we're betting, then we get in his word and we start tasting and seeing. Because he's a God that we can believe in. I don't doubt him for a second in that area. What I do doubt is our willingness to get into his presence. But when we get in his presence, man, he will prove himself to us. We can believe him. And then we can begin to receive things that we never thought we would receive. If we believe, then we can receive. Look, when I was at the end of this message, I was thinking about Luca and how I was talking about infants being takers. And I started being like, man, Luca's been a taker not since he was born, since he was an infant. Since he was in my stomach, right? He was taken in the womb. Like, I was puking my entire pregnancy. I had IVs. It was a horrible pregnancy. Man, that kid's been a taker since the day he was conceived, right? And I just was kind of laughing at myself. And I felt the Lord remind me, are you resentful? Are you resentful that he's taken? And I'm like, absolutely not, right? I don't think as any parent, I mean, there might be days when we're kind of done with parenting. Last night I told TD, I'm done. I'm done. Your turn. I'm done parenting today. I'm being mentally abused by a three-year-old, like I'm done. But if we're being honest, we've never resented our child for all they've taken, ever. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Callie, I will never resent anyone for the amount they take from me. Man, you can never outtake God. You can never wear God out. We can never take too much from him. And we know this, but a lot of us don't live like that. We start being like, man, I don't know. Man, if we would beg at God's feet, I need more. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. Man, if we became recipients, takers of God, man, we would grow. We would grow deeper in relationship, deeper in faith, deeper in belief. And how many of us know that God allows and transforms our life when we allow him to persuade us, to speak to us, to show himself to us. When we are someone who if we've went through this process in different areas of our life and you're someone who's like, man, I have seen my soul be ravaged with disappointment, with abandonment issues, with shame. And I have seen God help me to forgive those who hurt me healed my heart, freed me from the bondage of shame. When you're living in that, when you've received something from the Lord, what do we do? We usually give that to other people. The best ministry, you'll hear this probably from so many pastors, the best ministry people do is when something's been done to them and they do it for others. Man, when we give what we have received, we tell other people about it when we receive something from the Lord. In Mark 4, we see a demon-possessed man, as we close this morning. In Mark 4, we see a demon-possessed man, riddled with demons. 
It says that he said there it's legion, for there are many demons in this man. And he's running around a cemetery. He lives in a cemetery, and he cuts himself day and night. A man ravaged with demons. It said he couldn't even be chained up because he was so strong. No man could subdue him. And Jesus walks into that cemetery, and you know what happens? The demons come running to him and bow at his feet. They don't run. They run to him and bow. And Jesus casts out the demons. And then the man is said to have been sitting completely sane, clothed the next day. Completely sane. But I love it because what did he do? It says in scripture that he ran and told everyone what God had done. Man, if you have been delivered, you run and tell other people what God has done. Man, as as a church, as we could believe in God and we could receive from him, you know what we're going to do? Tell everyone what we have received. So this morning, if you're wondering, am I a receiver from God? I think it's easy to say, yeah, of course I am. My question to you is, do you give it? Because if you've received it, you give it. We've been pastoring long enough to know the most judgmental people that we encounter are the ones who are living under the same judgment themselves. Look, if you're judgmental towards another person, you're holding yourself under that same bondage of the law. (laughs) Right? But if we've received freedom, if we know I did not get what I deserved, I deserved death and I did not get that. I didn't get what I deserved, then we will stop telling other people that they get what they deserve, right? Because I've received not what I deserved, so I'm going to give what isn't deserved. So this morning, are you a giver? Have you matured? Are you walking in authority? Mark 10, 8 says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. It's saying, man, go for it. Be mature in your faith. Walk in authority. Pray for the sick to be healed. But it says, freely you have received, freely give. So this is assuming these people have received healing. These people have received freedom. These people have received, they've been cleansed. So give it. Freely, as you have received, freely give. We must receive from God in order to give. You can't give something you don't have. I believe that a lot of the world is very unconvinced about God because there's a lot of unconvinced Christians. There's a lot of unconvinced Christians. There's a lot of betting Christians. And when we bet, we aren't bold. When we believe, people are going to believe too because we've seen it. We've been healed. Man, I bet people that saw those demons come out of that man believed, right? But how do you know I've been healed? Do I walk like that? Do I walk like someone that has believed? Do we give it? And that's our last point of evaluating where we're at in maturity. Do you give grace? Do you abound in grace? Do you give forgiveness? Do you offer forgiveness or give consequences? You can't give what you don't receive. And many times we think we receive things, but when we look at what we give, we realize maybe I haven't received that because I'm not giving it. Do you give forgiveness and grace? Do you give hope? When times are tough, are you a hope bringer or are you a Debbie Downer? Are you a hope bringer? Do you give joy 
When you are among friends, is joy present? Do you give peace? When you walk in a room, does peace enter? Do you give patience? Are you patient with people? And I would challenge us today, if you go through lists, maybe at home, write things down, and you start realizing, man, I'm not patient with people. Man, get in your word and start receiving patience from the Lord. I think we do it backwards sometimes. We're like, man, I got to start giving patience. I don't have any patience, but I got to give it. <laughs> Instead of being like, okay, I obviously I'm not giving this, so I need to receive the patience of the Lord. I need to receive from him. And I need to really receive. I can't stop halfway through. I need to fight till I believe it. I need to fight till I've really received it. And then I can give it. We cannot give what we don't receive. And it's hard to receive what we don't believe. It's hard to believe when you're just betting something. Your faith has to mature from the stage of infancy. And look, this morning I love it because if you're an infant in the room, if you're new to God, God loves that. He is not asking you to be an 80-year-old in your faith. He's asking you to crave what is good for your growth. I didn't force my newborn child to eat solid food, right? <laughs> That's a process. The problem is when we have 90-year-olds in their faith still drinking from the bottle. We have to mature in our faith. Man, do we receive from him? Does our life reflect someone who is betting on this God thing? Or does our life reflect someone who believes it? Are we betting on him or do we really believe him? Do we receive from him? And do we freely give what we have received? If you're just betting, seek him out. Seek him out. And if you believe, let your belief change you and make you bold. We must turn our belief into receiving and recipients turn into givers. Man, he didn't come just so we could have a ticket to heaven, which is awesome. But he came, scripture says, so that we could have life and have it to the full. Man, I want all God has for me. So this morning, are you betting? What do you believe? What do you receive? And what are you giving? Because I want us all to experience all that God has. And not just on Sundays. Not just when we come to church and we leave and we feel better until next Sunday comes around and then we need another bottle, right? I want us to be people who on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no matter how hard life gets, man, we are good because we know God. We know the source because we're eating solid food, because we're maturing at the rate that God's asking us to mature. So we're receiving from him. And, man, I'm guilty. I mean, this whole sermon is because God was teaching me. <laughs> But I want it all, right? I want us all to have all that God has for us.